whereby men might be saved except the name of Jesus. And so um, we're going to keep singing about it. We're going to keep lifting him up because the Bible says that if we lift him up, he will draw all men into himself. And that's what I want to see. I want to see him change the hearts and lives of um, people in the, in the world that we live in just like he changed my heart, my life. He can do it for me. He can do it for anybody. Can you save me in? And uh, the same grace that has saved me can and will save all who trust in him. Let's keep speaking the name of Jesus. Let's keep preaching this glorious gospel that makes a difference, not only in today's world, but in eternity. And um, so thankful to be able to be a part of that. Take your Bibles this evening. Turn with me to the book of Galatians. I'm so glad to see each and every one of you out for our Wednesday night Bible study. And again, I want to thank you for making the study of the Word of God a priority in your life. I know that it's not by accident that any of us are here. How many of you believe in the sovereign will of God? That he uh, puts us right where we need to be at the right time, in the right place, and uh, I'm so thankful for that. And I believe that by his sovereign will, we've all been brought here this evening to get a hold of the truth straight from his precious word. We're going to start in Galatians 4 this evening. Uh, we were going to start last week and just didn't make it around to it. We're going to try to do better tonight. We're going to look at uh, primarily the first seven verses is what I want to look at. I ask that you be praying for me as your pastor. I desire your prayers, need your prayers, um, that God would have his way and his will in absolutely everything that happens here tonight. Now, how many of you believe tonight that the Bible is um, inerrant? Here at Mount Zion, we believe in the inerrancy of Scripture. What I mean by that is that every word of the Bible is God-breathed. That it's Holy Spirit-inspired, and then it's written down by God's men. Okay? Um, we believe that. If you believe that, say amen this evening. Well, praise the Lord. We're, I'm in good company. We, we believe that the Word of God is His truth. It tells us who He is. It tells us who we are. It tells us what He has done for us. In the person of his son Jesus. And so tonight I'm thankful for the inerrancy of scripture. I'm thankful for the absolute truth of God's word. Now I believe with everything in me that the text we have in all 66 books of the canon of scripture. The text we have is God breathed. Written down by God's men. But now we also know that chapter divisions are not God breathed. They're, they're, they're not um, inspired by the Holy Spirit. These chapter divisions were put into the Word of God for the purpose of us being able to navigate through Scripture better. When the original translators translated the Bible from its original language, when they did that, they put chapters um, and verses in there so that we might better navigate through the Word of God. A lot of, I've heard some people say that they put chapters and verses in there so that they could keep long-winded preachers from preaching too long. Maybe there's some truth to that too, but either way, um, that we do have chapters and verses. Now, I've said all that to say this. The chapter number three in the book of Galatians and chapter number four in the book of Galatians, it's one long continuous thought. I mean, starting from chapter three all the way through chapter four. I, I don't think there ought to be a, a chapter division there. I mean, it's one thing um, that Paul is saying, and he is continually throughout these chapters making his case for his belief that salvation is by grace through faith in Christ alone. 
That, that's that's the, the case he's making. That's the point he's making. And just like we've said before, he's really arguing his case uh, just like a defense attorney would. And he's got several points that he makes through chapter 3 that we've already looked at. I want to review those before we go on to chapter number 4. First of all, he uses the personal argument in chapter number 3. And he asks these Galatian believers to take a personal inventory of their life. And he says, how did you receive the Spirit? Was it by works of the law or was it by faith in Christ? Because, folks, the truth is what really changes our life, what really makes us new in Christ, is the person of the Holy Spirit. And so what Paul asked them, how did you get the Spirit? How was your life changed? Did it happen simply by you trying to keep the law and your ability? Or did it happen when you placed faith in Jesus and you were born again into the family of God? That's a personal inventory that we all need to take. How did we receive the Spirit? Have you received the Spirit? And then he asks them to, not only he gives them the personal argument, but he, he gives them the, spirit, the uh, scriptural argument um, throughout chapter number 3 for, to a, for a large part of it. And he just goes through scripture talking about what God has promised and how God fulfilled his promise that he made all the way back in Genesis through the person of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was through Jesus that did everything necessary to make us right with God the Father. And he used the scripture to back all that up. And I love that. And then at the last part of Galatians chapter 3 that we looked at two weeks ago, we saw how that um, he reminds us of the purpose of the law, the, that the law was never meant to save us. Now, why? let me ask you something, class. Why can the law not save us? Is it because something's wrong with the law? Law's perfect. Law's holy. Law, the law comes from God. There's nothing wrong with the law. So why can't the law save me? Because there's something wrong with me, right? It's not that there's something wrong with the law, but I cannot keep God's law. And to be right with God, to be made righteous with God the Father, listen, you've got to be perfect if you're going to do it in your own power. And that creates for all of us a very big problem because who in here is perfect? None of us. That's why we need God's grace. That's why we need a Savior. And praise the Lord, God loved us enough to send us a Savior in the person of His Son. To do for us what we couldn't do. See, Jesus came and was born perfectly. Then the Bible says because he was born perfect, free of the seed of man, but he was born of the seed of God, the Holy Spirit. Listen, he was born perfect so that he might live perfect. And he lived perfectly according to God's law. And then the Bible says he went to the cross and paid for our sin, my sin and your sin. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquity. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, me and you are healed. We had to have Jesus to save us or we're never going to be saved. We can't do it in our power. That's what the law shows us. That was the purpose of the law. That's why the scripture told us in Galatians chapter 3 that the law became our schoolmaster that brought us unto Christ. It taught us how wrong we are and were so that we can be made right by the precious blood of Jesus. Not in our power. Not in who we are, what we've done. But in what he's done for us. 
his sacrificial work, his finished work. And so Paul makes these arguments in chapter 3 and he really continues making his case now in chapter number 4. And what Paul is really talking about, and I think when you get down to where the rubber meets the road, what he's trying to show these Galatian believers and what we need to see tonight is the difference in religion and relationship. I know a lot of times we sometimes, uh, uh, especially in, in, uh, in church, we kind of merge the two, but they couldn't be more different. The, the, the truth is, religion and relationship is not the same thing. Uh, one of my favorite pastors, preachers alive today is a man by the name of Vance Pittman. Some of you probably know Brother Vance Pittman. He's the pastor of Hope Baptist Church in Las Vegas, Nevada. But I'm telling you, that brother can shell the corn. The Lord uses him in a fantastic way. And he told a story of men's conference I was at years ago where he was preaching uh, of how he was on a plane coming to that men's conference and, and the Lord opened the door for him to witness to the man sitting beside him um, as they were on the flight. And the man asked him what he did for a living and he told him that he was a pastor and he was on his way to go preach at a men's conference. And, and the man looked at him and he said, well, I tell you what, I believe religion has done more to hurt than it's ever done to help. And, and, and Pastor Vance looked over and said, I couldn't agree with you more. He said, I agree with that 100%. He said, I'm not about religion. I believe religion has done more to hurt than probably anything else. He said, I don't preach religion. What I want people to know is you can have a personal relationship with Jesus. There's a difference. There's a difference. And what was purchased for each and every one of us at Calvary was relationship, not religion. It, was to, it made a way for us to truly know our creator. It made a way for us to be made right with God who is holy. Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. He did everything necessary for us to have a relationship and not merely have religion. And I think when you get right down to where the rubber meets the road, that's what Paul is preaching throughout Galatians and many other places in the letters that he writes. Let me give you some differences between religion and relationship. Religion is man's feeble attempt to make ourselves right with God through our own self-righteous works. Uh, that's what I believe religion is. I, I think that's exactly what we see it to be in the world we live in. Relationship, our relationship to God on the other hand, is made real to us the moment we choose to place our trust in the finished work of Christ. Let me give you some scripture. John chapter number 3 and verse number 3. Jesus, when speaking to Nicodemus, Nicodemus came to Jesus by night, the Bible says, and when he got there, he says, we know that you're come from God because you're doing things nobody else is doing. And Jesus looked at Nicodemus and he said, Nicodemus, if you're going to see the kingdom of God, ye must be born again. I love that. I want you to think of all the things he could have told Nicodemus. Nicodemus, if you're going to see the kingdom of God, if you're going to be a part of the kingdom of God, I'll tell you what you need to do. You need to come to church every time the doors are open. Do that, Nicodemus. Nicodemus, if you're going to see the kingdom of God, you need to help little old ladies across the street every day for the rest of your life. 
Nicodemus, if you're really going to be a part of and see the kingdom of God, you need to put a whole lot of money in the offering plate every time it's passed. He could have said all those things. But what did he say? You must be born again. What was Jesus preaching? Religion or relationship? He's preaching to Nicodemus. He's preaching to us. Paul is preaching to the Galatians and to us that we need a personal relationship with the God of heaven. And the only way we're going to get that is through Christ, through faith in him. Now, is there anything wrong with coming to church? No, but it don't save you. Anything wrong with helping little old ladies across the street? No, but it ain't going to save you. Anything wrong with putting money in the offering plate, coming to Sunday school, reading your Bible? Ain't nothing wrong with any of that stuff. You need to do that stuff. But that does not save you. If you're going to be born again, he told Nicodemus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. So how are we reborn? How are we born again? By believing on Jesus, by trusting in Him, in His goodness, not in ours, by resting fully in the finished work of Christ. That's what happens. He's preaching relationship, because that's what we all need. Praise God. That's what makes all the difference. Religion says do more to be accepted by God. That's what religion says. Relationship is about doing more for the Lord because you have been accepted by God. Amen? Do you see the difference? Religion feels like something you have to do. Relationship awakens us to what we get to do. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something, folks. I get tired in the work of the Lord. How about you? I mean, man, when you've got everything going on that we've all got going on, when you've got a full-time job, you've got a family, and you've got stuff at church, you've got ministry things that has to be done. Listen, it's easy to get tired in the work of the Lord. But let me tell you this, I don't get tired of it. I don't get tired of it. Let me tell you why. Because I realize God has given me the opportunity and the great privilege to be a part of what he's doing. He's given me the opportunity and the great privilege of speaking truth into people's life that will change their eternity. Not because I'm speaking it, but because his truth is what changes hearts and changes life. His truth is what sets people free. I get to do that. I get to do it on Sunday morning. I get to do it on Sunday night. I get to do it on Wednesday night. Sometimes the Lord opens doors and I get to do it on Monday at work, on Tuesday at the grocery store. And when God does that, it absolutely blows my mind. I love uh, Dr. Johnny Mays, one of my favorite preachers of all time. Let me tell you what that brother used to say. He said, since I got saved, I'm just like a little boy at the, at the parade. I just can't wait to see what's going to happen next. I can't wait to see what God's going to allow me to do next. I mean, sometimes God opens doors. We get to go to Cuba or Nicaragua or Louisville, Kentucky or Macon, Georgia. Sometimes God opens doors in the most unlikely ways in the most unlikely places. I'm just like, wow, God, that had to be you. Relationship 
Real relationship awakens us to what we get to do for the Lord, with the Lord. Think about that. We work for him, but praise God, we also work with him. Relationship makes all the difference. I love Jason Gray. He's a contemporary Christian recording artist, and a few years ago he wrote a song, and he was outlining the differences in religion and in relationship. Listen how he puts it. Some of you may know this song. I'm not going to sing it to you. Uh, you probably wouldn't even recognize it if I sang it to you, but I'll, I'll read it to you because, it, man, it makes so much sense. It's so good. It says, All religion ever made of me was a man with a shackle tied to my feet. <laughs> I know where this brother's coming from right here. I really do. Because I tried religion for a while. I tried it. I tried my hardest to do my best, to be all I can be. And I, I came to the realization really fast that my best just wasn't enough. <laughs> you me tell you why the Apostle Paul, man, was so passionate about preaching salvation by grace through faith in Christ alone. I'll tell you what I believe it was. Here you have this man who first of all was born a Jew of the tribe of Benjamin, the book of Philippians says. He was circumcised the eighth day, grew up in the best school in Jerusalem under the feet, at the feet of Gamaliel, the greatest teacher in Jerusalem, and he became a Pharisee. And the Pharisee was the religious sect of the Jews that was the most strict. I mean, this brother had a for the things of God. He said when it came to being zealous about uh, the, the scriptures, zealous about his religion, he said there was none that matched me. But can you imagine the Apostle Paul or at that time Saul of Tarsus who knew what the law said he had memorized the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. As a Pharisee, that was a requirement. He didn't just read the scripture. He knew it by heart, the first five books. Think about that just a minute. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. This brother had memorized Leviticus. Let me tell you what really kills people in their yearly Bible reading. Leviticus. It's happened to me before, man. I've got good intentions in January, and I'm going to read the Bible straight through, starting with Genesis, and we're going to knock it out. And I get to Leviticus, and I'm like, man, Lord, I'm struggling with Leviticus. He didn't just read it. He had memorized Leviticus. He knew the first five books. He knew what God wanted of him. He knew what God required of the Jewish people under the old covenant. And it became very apparent to him, even though he wanted to do what's right, it wasn't in his power to do it. He couldn't do it. And I think that broke his heart and dulled his spirit. Until he met Jesus on the road to Damascus. 
And he went from being very religious to having a relationship with the one true God. And everything changed. He went from being the foremost persecutor of the gospel to being the foremost preacher of the gospel. He went from imprisoning and agreeing with the killing of saints. He went from that guy to being the pastor, preacher, church planner that went all over the known world on three missionary journeys. Churches everywhere for the glory of Jesus Christ. He wrote 13 books. I believe he wrote 14 books. I believe he wrote the book of Hebrews as well. But we know he wrote 13 books in the New Testament. So the majority of the New Testament was written by this former persecutor of Christians, of the way, of the gospel. What changed? He went from having religion to relationship. Why is he so passionate about defending the faith here against these Judaizers? That's trying to tell people, if you really want to be right with God, you've got to keep the Old Testament law. Why is he so passionate about that? Because he knew he had tried to keep the Old Testament law and it didn't do anything for him. It just became his schoolmaster that showed him how much he needed Jesus. Are you getting this? Religion versus relationship. Jason Gray said, it was all religion ever made of me was a, was a man with a shackle tied to my feet. He said, give me rules, I'll break them. Can y'all relate? <laughs> Show me lines, I'll cross them. Not that I want to, not that I try to, but on my best day, I'm going to fail you. On my best day, I'm going to fail the Lord. I'm so thankful the scripture says in the book of Lamentations chapter 3 that the mercies of God are new every morning. Anybody else? Praise the Lord. Me too. You may tell you why I'm glad for the mercy of God every day? Because I need it every day. I'm thankful when the Bible says in James chapter 4 that God gives more grace. James 4 and 6. You may tell you why? Because I need more grace. And it says in James 4 and 6 that he gives grace unto the humble but resists the proud. Praise the Lord. I need more grace to be the husband God's called me to be. I need more grace to be the pastor God's called me to be. I need more grace to be the father God's called me to be. I need more grace to be the witness God's called me to be. I need more grace. We all do. We all do. Why? Because you show me lines, I'll cross them. Show me rules, I'll break them. I like what this brother said. He said, I need more truth to believe. I need a truth that lives and breathes. <laughs> I like that. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, the truth that lives and breathes. The truth that is alive right now at the right hand of the Father making intercession for you and I. I need a truth that lives and breathes. It's got to be more like falling in love. That's it. That's it. Religion puts a burden on you. Relationship is a blessing to you. Why? Because it's like falling in love.
I love the Lord. Why do I love the Lord? Because he first loved me. Amen? That's why. That's why. Because he's made a difference in my life. Because he's given me peace when I didn't have any peace. He's given me joy unspeakable and full of glory. He's given me purpose in this life when I couldn't find purpose. I know he's forgiven my sin. I've got peace for living, praise God, and I've got peace for dying. All because of Jesus. All because of relationship. So Paul is saying to these people and he's saying to us, oh, don't fall back into the trap of religion. Grow in your relationship with the Lord. That's what we need. He continues in Galatians chapter 4 in these first seven verses talking about the adoption we have as sons and daughters of God. I love this. This blesses my soul every time I think about it. If you just want to, if you want to sit around and just have your mind blown from time to time, think about this. If you've placed your faith in Jesus and you know you've been born again, I'm not talking about you, you're a member of a church, you know you've joined a church, you know you've been baptized. I mean God the Holy Spirit has convicted your heart at some time in your life and you realized how lost and undone you were and you fell down hopeless and helpless before Jesus and said, Lord, I need you. I trust in who you are and what you've done. I ask you to forgive me my sin. If you know that God the Holy Spirit has worked on the inside, and made a difference on the outside and changed your heart and your life. If you know you've been born again, think about this from time to time. You are now the adopted sons and daughters of God himself. I'm talking about the star-breathing, sea-splitting, dead-raising God that we read about on the pages of Scripture. He is now your and my father. Wow. That'll bless your heart. We have been adopted into the family of God. Paul makes this very clear in these first three verses. The first thing he does is he shows us where we were. Where we all were. Where these people were before we met Jesus. Look what he says in, in verse number one. Now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, does not differ at all from a slave. Though he is master of all, but is under guardians and stewards until the time appointed by the father. Even so... Um, we, when we were children, were in bondage under the elements of the world. But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Watch this now. To redeem. Everybody say redeem. To redeem those who were under the law that we might receive adoption. Everybody say adoption. As sons. Now Paul not only teaches that in Galatians uh, 4 and, and verse number 5, which I believe to be the key verse in this whole chapter, but, but he also teaches it in Ephesians 1 and 5. He also teaches it in Romans 8, 17. Romans 8, 17 is one of my absolute favorite verses because it, it says that we are heirs to God and now we have become joint heirs with Jesus. Wow. I'm joint heirs with Jesus the Son of God and God the Son. 
I'm an heir to God, joint heirs with Christ. Folks, that puts us in pretty good company, doesn't it? That's why I keep telling you, if you are in Jesus, if you placed your trust in him, you went from being a pauper who had nothing to being a prince in the family of God or princess in the family of God. Ain't God good? Wow. Wow. This brother right here has been preaching to us on Sunday morning about being seated with Jesus in heavenly places. Are you hearing me? We are now adopted into the family. And with that adoption comes the rights and privileges of an adult son. That's what it means in that culture. We're not just servants of God. Even though we serve him, we are sons and daughters of God who have the same privileges of sons and daughters. Now what does that mean? Well, that means a whole lot. Parents, y'all know what I'm talking about. Y'all know as well as I know, you will do things for your children you won't do for nobody else. Am I right? I'll do things for my kids I won't do for nobody else because I've got that special relationship with them. Amen? How many of y'all have got a favorite chair in your house? Anybody? Me too. I've got my spot. I'm a creature of habit. And it's really hard for me to get out of some things. I'm going to be honest with you. I struggle with this a lot. I can get in a rut of doing the same thing all the time because I like it that way. Now, let me tell you what I love to do. I love to get the day done and come, down, come into the house and sit down in my favorite spot, kick the shoes off, and not have to worry about going anywhere else or doing anything else. I mean, anybody else in here like that? Here a while back, I come into my house. Just got my shoes kicked off. Man, it's been a long day. Long day. It's already at that time probably 9.15, 9.30 before I finally got in the house, got set down. and Man, I'm just enjoying the night. And, and my little girl, Ellie Grace, comes over and she says, Dad, I want some ice cream. I said, honey, we ain't getting no ice cream tonight. Ain't nothing in the freezer? No, Daddy, ain't nothing in the freezer, but I want some. She said, Dad, what I really want is a Frosty. I said, baby, there ain't no Wendy's in Hamilton, Alabama. But daddy, there's a frosty, uh, a Wendy's with a frosty over at Fulton. Mimi took me by there the other day. We got us a frosty. Daddy, I want one of them frosties. I said, no, nah, we ain't going no Fulton, 9, 15 at night. We ain't going to do it. Ain't going to happen. So you know what happened then. <laughs> a little lip pooches out. You know, she's sulking over it. She's mad about it. I look over there and I can see her sitting there with that little lip pooched down. She's wanting to frost him. And I said, honey, we'll go get one tomorrow. Daddy, I want one tonight. Please, Daddy, let's go get us a frosty. And I sat there and I thought, you know, there's going to be a time in my life when this girl ain't, ain't going to be in my house anymore. And I'm going to be thinking, man, I wish I could take her and get her a frosty. So I said, get your tail up. <laughs> Put my shoes back on. Got back in the car. 
Drove 25 minutes over to Fulton. Got there right before they closed and got that girl a Frosty. Let me tell you why. Because I'll do things for my babies I won't do for somebody else. You have a heavenly father who is omnipotent. The Bible says he's omnipresent. The Bible teaches he's omniscient. He knows everything. He has the power to do all things. He knows all things and he's everywhere at all times. That's your heavenly father. And he says, we are his adopted sons and daughters. He will do things for his kids that he won't do for anybody else. See, I do things for my kids and I'm not a perfect father. I love them, but I can't love them perfectly. God, who is perfect, loves us perfectly, knows what we need at all times because he knows the end from the beginning. That's why the scripture says in Romans chapter 8 that he can work all things together for our good. Because he is good, he works all things together for our good and his glory. Why? Because he's a loving heavenly father, that's why. That's a promise for the child of God. The scripture says in Hebrews chapter 4 and verse number 16 that we can come boldly to the throne of grace. Somebody say amen. You may tell you why we come boldly to the throne of grace to find help in our time of need. Anybody ever have a time of need? Me too. Aren't you glad you can come to your heavenly father? Just Monday. I had my first surgery that I've ever had. You know, and, I, and I, while I was on my way over there, I said, man, this ain't, I mean, it's going to be in and out. You know, this going to go in there and do their thing. But on the way over, I got thinking, well, they're going to put me to sleep. There is a chance I might not wake up. You ever heard that old saying, you never think it's a serious surgery till it's your surgery? <laughs> oh, that's not that big a deal. Wait till they do it to you. You know, then you get to thinking about some stuff. And I really was. I was thinking about it. And I was sitting there in that doctor's office. My wife's sitting by me. And um, I'm telling you, the Lord just flooded my soul with peace. Peace that passes all understanding. And I knew in that moment, if I don't wake up, I know in whom I've placed my trust. I know he's forgiven me. If I don't wake up, praise God. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. It's better for me to go on and be with Jesus. Amen? I thought, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. That's what's so cool about relationship. That's what's so awesome about having a heavenly father. That's what's so great about coming to the throne of grace in your time of need. That's what's so cool about 1 John 5, 14. We are confident that if we ask anything in accordance to his will, he hears us. Prayer is a great privilege of the child of God. He's got his ear turned to his people.
Amen? Relationship, brothers and sisters. It makes all the difference. Makes all the difference. So he, he's telling them, look, we are adopted into the family through the finished work of Christ. He came to redeem us. He tells, shows them where we were. He says, there was a time when you were, as a, as a little fellow, I don't even know, um, as, and, and he's speaking to people that were in the Roman culture at this time. And in the Roman culture, even if a toddler or a little baby, even if they were born to a very wealthy father, they did not realize the great blessing of being born into that family. While they were babies, they were under guardians. They were usually um, given, uh, servants were there to take care of the children. And they didn't realize all they had because of their position in the household. They didn't. And so what Paul is saying, I believe, is, look, when, when um, the Jews were under the law, yeah, they were the, the chosen people of God, but they didn't realize all they had because they were still under a guardian. Sonship was not realized until the finished work of Christ. Now that the finished work of Christ has been complete and we can trust in, the, in Him and be born again into God's family, don't go back to being under the guardian. Don't go back to the old ways. Don't go back to the old covenant because now we've got a better covenant based upon better promises. That's what He's telling them and that's what He's telling us. We are not to live legalistic, boring lifeless lives as believer we are to live in Christ and where the spirit of the Lord is there is liberty not liberty to sin but liberty from sin amen we'll talk about that more as we go along so he shows them where we were and then where Christ has brought us to. Look at verse 6. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the spirit of his son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. Now listen to his heart in verse number 8. But then indeed, when you did not know God, you served those which by nature are not gods. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements? He said, why do you want to go back to where you used to be? Why do you want to go back and put yourself in bondage? Don't do that. Don't do that. Keep growing in this relationship through fellowship, not in dead religion. Now, let, let me tell you why dead religion, legalism, is so appealing to a lot of people who truly know the Lord, just like these people truly knew the Lord. Let me tell you why it's so appealing, because you can measure it. You hear me? You can check the box when you complete the task. Okay, I've done this, this, this right here, and this right here. I'm really getting after it this week. The only problem is legalism does not gauge the motivation for why you do what you do. And a lot of times what happens, people get so caught up in doing stuff and they forget why they're doing it. Who they're doing it for. And it becomes a legalistic exercise of trying to fulfill an obligation instead of resting in Jesus. Experiencing His power and realizing the great opportunity you have to serve Him, to work for Him and with Him. Are you getting what I'm saying? 
there's a difference. Paul said, don't get caught back up in the same old stuff that you used to be under. He says, you observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I've labored for you in vain. He said, don't fall in the trap of going back under the old ways. Rest in Jesus. Live for Jesus. Focus on relationship. It's not about religion. Anybody got anything, comments or questions before we close tonight?